Hey, it's Matt here. A uh, quick production note from the future. This episode was recorded before the weekend, uh, and a lot of events took place this weekend regarding Tabletop Simulator. If you look at the episode immediately before this episode in your podcast feed, it might be worth checking that out because it's a lot of important news regarding Tabletop Simulator, and I suggest you go listen to it. Uh, but also you will hear Hunter and I in this episode talk about things related to Tabletop Simulator. And it's just worth noting that a lot of those things are currently up in the air. Uh, and so I would not uh, say any of the things regarding Tabletop Simulator mod and homebrew and all those things. Uh, those are still projects we want to take on. Uh, we just don't know exactly what they'll look like, uh, whether it will be in Tabletop Simulator or a different program or whatever, but they are still things we are committed to working on and want to do a lot of work with, but you know, it just might look a little bit different than maybe the Matt and Hunter from the past in this episode presented to you. So with that in mind, here is your episode. This is Space Cats Peace Turtles, the unofficial podcast for Fantasy Flight's Twilight Imperium. Episode 229, Patreon updates, tournament predictions, and the what it would look like if we were wrong Hootenanny. Music by Ben Prunty, featuring Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson. Why can't you start an episode anymore, Matt? Just, you know, the baby's taking over my brain more and more. You used to be the big start guy. I know. You know? Yeah, Every episode, you'd come in hot come in. <laughs> with a half-baked idea, you know? Well, you just didn't you'd... let me sing anymore. You won't let me sing. <laughs> Go ahead, sing. Sing. Get us into it, Matt. Well, in my brain, it we... was like, this is this is actually, it's like our belated New Year thing, right? Because the Patreon updates is kind of supposed to be New Year, but we like... The, the I just freaked out at the end of last week's episode because we were going so long that I was like, we couldn't possibly do Patreon updates in the middle of this. It's been an hour and 45 minutes. God forbid. Even though we totally could have done it. Yeah. And then you and then we just didn't do it last week. And everyone's like, wait, what's up with the Patreon? You guys kind of alluded to it. Yeah. But you didn't actually explain it. Okay. <laughs> so we're going to fix that today. today. Now we're in the episode. Welcome yeah. to it. My name's hey. Hunter Donaldson. Although hey, you I'm, already know that. I'm Matt Martins. You didn't know that. You didn't know, but it's me. Uh, yeah, today we've got some Patreon updates, but we're also going to play some fun games. We wanted to sort of do a, we wanted to do like a tournament hype episode, but didn't know what to make it look like. So we have a couple, first we have the what it would look like if we were wrong faction Nanny, which is we take a look at our faction tier list that we just did last week and we say, okay, yeah, that's right. But what if, what if it wasn't? What it, what could go mm -hmm. wrong? What could be different about it? What are the end things of the year? that could possibly be wrong about it yeah and we're also going to role play as a matt and hunter yeah. from an alternate universe where we are actually wrong <laughs> so of course it's kind of a fun kind of idea experiment yeah. a thought experiment if you will uh as it's basically a lore world where we're wrong. like it's all fiction yeah. it's all fake uh right so, you know it, uh, and then finally we've got we decided to do some tournament predictions hunter and i are both bringing 10 predictions for how this tournament will go and at the end of the tournament we will rank 
or we will, we will score our predictions and the winner will, I don't know, get something. They'll get a big kiss on the lips. Um, so let's dive in first with the thing that is most important, which is, hey, it's a new year, which means let's kind of like refresh some ideas of what's going on in the Patreon. Let's let's freshen things up. I feel like we're getting this. <laughs> our Patreon is an experiment in like how often can we change it but like slowly work on working our way to like what the patreon should have been all along because each year it's like less drastic and less drastic the yeah first yeah after the first year we like completely overhauled the whole thing and it's been like less and less overhauls per year and this year feels like the least major changes that we've ever seen yeah i i think this year it's just about refocusing a few key things and mostly it has to do with the homebrewers guild basically all of the other um tiers we're pretty happy with where they're at yeah um galactic council is good and it's just gonna stay the way it is um i don't know if i think we announced the poll last week but the poll is up yeah um your your choices are pretty straightforward expansion to wish list will win your other options are <laughs> phil roy's charity ball brawl draft can we explain what that is real quick too because we yeah, kind of sure, burned sure. through it last week but the phil roy's charity ball draft is one he's the the charity brawl hasn't happened yet and i know it's been having a lot of scheduling conflicts but the the style of the charity brawl draft has has been out and been tested for a while and it's basically like a super extended multi draft where it's like you you draft seat position but then your turn one uh strategy card picking order is separate from your seat position and then there's like all of these extra components these like bonuses that you use and uh it's very very wacky but it's very very fun and it would be fun to just sort of break down what that draft is and how it feels and what what kind of games it leads to because it's it's very wacky yeah and then the other two options are let's learn sidereal confluence uh sidereal confluence people this is your last shot we are not giving you another option uh if you're not familiar with the ongoing galactic council storylines um in the first month after the war arc ended um, there was a deal between the lore heads and the sidereal confluence people. The lore heads were going to get the sidereal confluence people to vote for lore for the first episode. On the second episode, everyone was supposed to vote for sidereal confluence, but instead, sidereal confluence lost. Yeah. And now everyone's unsure if the agreement still stands. So that we've created <laughs> some chaos and throwing it back in. Of course, it's going to lose. We put yep. it into lose um, <laughs> to expansion to wish list, which is the obvious silly choice. Yeah. You know. Uh, and then your last option is let's earn, learn uh, Spirit Island, uh, which is another game that people have wanted us uh, to put yeah. in. A and further betrayal to Sidereal because there's going to be a lot of people that abandon Sidereal because they would much rather do Spirit Island. I know people yeah. like Absol are on that list. <laughs> We're trying to show you that democracy is all fun in games uh, until it gets serious and then you start realizing yeah. how difficult it is. Yeah, the reality I mean? is Hunter and I write all the bills, so it doesn't matter how you... <laughs> Like what you want to lobby for, we write We're all the We're the parliamentarian, bills. okay? We set the rules, all right? We have these ancient rules that yeah. we've set that no one understands or knows about, and suddenly it's news? What? <laughs> they set the docket? Why did they set the docket? Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. Crazy how that works. Uh, Homebrewers Guild. So for the yeah. fu- for the last year, it's been super fun uh, to see. I never got to play in a Homebrewers game, which is, I want to change that in 2022. I want to play in some homebrewers games. Um, but let's go over what Homebrewers Guild was doing. Um, every single yeah. month, we basically just decided on a component in the game to right. then make up new versions of. So we were never going like crazy deep into like the, you know, the homebrew army, but it was it was just like let's let's do some new objectives. Let's do some new tech. Let's do some new X X and X. Uh, and we are right. finishing up on uh strategy cards 
and secret objectives. And that's, that's game already that's happened. Happened yeah, yeah. by the time this episode has come out, which means now, what else is there to do? And it feels like we've exhausted all of the just raw components. But through all that process, um, more and more ideas keep coming up. So Hunter, talk talk me through kind of like where you envision the Homebrewers Guild going. So here's what I want to do this year. Last year was all about taking individual components and saying, let's let's make that goofy for a second. And then we reset. Well, now we have all this stuff in this channel uh, for every single component in the game. And I just want to this year keep everything and behave as if we are building a um, our own version of Twilight Imperium. I would like to say that uh, the version that we're going to build together in the Homebrewers Guild should be dumber and sillier because mm -hmm. I think that's generally been the theme. Sometimes people propose stuff and it's like, oh, that's really good. But a lot of it is like, isn't this wild? Yeah. Let's play with this. It has and a very experimental flair. It's right. fun. It gets silly. It gets goofy. And instead of every month, you know, kind of resetting, it's just going to be about playtesting everything. So yeah. basically uh, for this first month, I would like everyone to focus on your favorite stuff from the last year. If you've been in the Homebrewers Guild for a while. But also, if, you could, if you're new and you just want to submit something, submit anything homebrew, any yeah. component, any anything. And we're going to just start putting together essentially a, a save of the game that has all custom, all homebrew stuff. And we're just going to start playtesting it. And the idea would be that at the end of this year, we have something that we can kind of say we built as a group that like this is a version of uh, TI. This yeah. is like the the official SCPT Homebrewers Guild version of Twilight Imperium with all right. homebrew components and everything about it is uh, silly and wild. And then we sell so, it to Fantasy Flight and it's Twilight Imperium 5th edition. It's, yeah, it's Space Cats Peace Turtles Presents. Why <laughs> wide Imperium. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's, that, that's the idea. Is, so it, it's more stuff. It's more work on the front end for me to get all that stuff integrated. But then going forward, it's just going to be adding new components to the overall mix yeah. and saying like, oh, did we like that? Do we want right. to get that out? Um, and also, I just want to uh, make sure that it's clear, um, but we have kind of elected Wecker to be oh, yeah. the kind of official homebrew person, um, mostly because it just kind of does it anyways. Um, <laughs> and uh, I've basically consistently needed Wecker's help, um, but... At the end of this, we're definitely going to have like a full complete uh, thing with yeah. with every everything custom. We get rid of uh, yeah. the the entire game. To Maybe it, we even get rid of the rule. I mean, every every right. little aspect of the game should go away because the game sucks, and we're going to make a better one. <laughs> yeah, to put it in even more exact terms, the, the way you sort of talked about Hunter is like there will basically be like a pinned TTS save file yes. that everyone's working on, and and like the idea being there will be like a streamed homebrewers guild game once a month but i would even say the homebrewers guild could play more like do more playtesting than even that like just yes. getting in there yes. and it's just like hey we are working on this save file together kind of just all year long so the yeah. incentive for you to join the homebrewers guild is like hey come get in on this goofy stupid project we're doing where it'll, it'll be constantly ongoing this also gets away from the problem of sometimes those games are hard to schedule and it feels like we've robbed you of your chance to get in on the one homebrewer game that happened right. that month and now it's like well no it's just a constant ongoing project to be involved in that project sign up at the ten dollar level 
Another angle on this that I think is important to note is that now, if you are not somebody that specifically likes to make homebrew yes. and you just want to play homebrew, absolutely, uh, I want to cater to you as well. So yeah, what Matt was saying about the save being available, uh, that that will consistently be something we're making sure that we always have the latest version of our homebrew project yeah. pinned in that channel, so you can just play it with your friends and see how you know how silly you think it is. You're like, oh, this is dumb. This is so yeah. dumb. Um, I want a faction. Uh, I want a hunter faction. I want a Matt faction. I want an EJ faction. <laughs> Root faction. A Wecker okay. faction. Wecker faction. I want. I want the whole SCPT family represented. A space just with lawyer our faction. That's space lawyer great faction. To me, an Absol faction. <laughs> give me, give me all the Discord mods as a faction, and let's just play that variant. <laughs> yeah, that sounds fun. You got to come up with our faction abilities and have them not be insulting. Okay. <laughs> Have them not be. Am I a four commodity faction or am I a two commodity Ooh, faction? I don't know. Ouch. I'm definitely. I think Matt's two. a four and I think oh, I'm a two. Okay. All right. Fair. I think that's how it works. Um. So next up is the man, the worst name in the Patreon. You know what's funny? So Bubba Cool's Chill Zone used to yeah. be called the Good Yin Brotherhood because the whole joke right. was that the Yin Brotherhood were bad. But then the then the Yin Brotherhood got good. But now they're bad again. So there's a there's a small part of my heart that wishes we could just bring back the Good Yin Brotherhood. But I also mm. don't. I also don't want it to just be a brother. I like Chill Zone. The problem is I never remember they're called the Chill Zone. <laughs> I continue to this day to never. When I'm trying to tag Chill Zone players, I never remember what my tag is to find them all. What if we? What, I mean, what if we did change the name right yeah. now? What if we just right oh, now man. decided a new name to call the Bubba Cool's Chill Zone? Because yeah. I think the joke is kind of worn out with me. It doesn't make me yeah. laugh anymore. No, it doesn't. Um, what if we called them like the Zone Heads? What about or the like, Sisterhood of the Traveling Yin? The Sisterhood. <laughs> Where did that? You just had that. You just yeah, had man. that in you. The Sisterhood you of the Traveling Pants. You. Do you know what the Sisterhood of the Traveling? Of course, pants I know is? what the Sisterhood of the Traveling right. Pants is. But you were just like ready. I was ready. With that I've been thinking you about just, it. I, I've been thinking about it since Goodyear Brotherhood was started. I wished it was just the Sisterhood of the Traveling Yin. All right, it's now the Sisterhood is of it? the Traveling Yin. <laughs> Why not? Why wouldn't it be? <laughs> For for like a year and a half, it was a brotherhood, which we always kind of was Hated. annoying. So maybe it's time for it to be a sisterhood. Yep. And I'm we really excited to join back. my sisters. <laughs> well, yeah, that's great. Uh, so the the perks of that level aren't really changing. Although I will say we, we are both aware that there, there have been kind of a lack of sisterhood games uh, in the last couple months. Um, but <laughs> we're, we're already so comfortable calling it. The, sis the sisterhood games. Oh, yeah, I'm comfortable. You're just all, yeah, that's great. Right. So uh, the sisterhood games, I, we're both planning to do more of them. We, we, Hunter is now in New York. You're hearing him from his New York City apartment with his pizza, and there's all the apples sitting in the corner, and there he is. Hey, how's it going? What? Uh, what? So uh, we're what? both settled. What? What's wrong? What? <laughs> What was that? The apple sitting in the corner? The, what are you talking about? That's the thing about New York, right? They got such big apples. Everybody collects them in their houses. Here's what I'll tell you about New York. Today, I went to get a cup of coffee and a cup chocolate chip cookie. Cup of coffee and a chocolate chip cookie. It's a frequent snack of mine. $8. $8. Yeah, Not used to that. That's fun. You yeah, should other make things haven't been as expensive. I want to see the hunter that makes cookies. Give me that. Make no. your own cookies. Make your own coffee. Grind your own coffee. Hey, uh, that was a tangent. 
anyways, we want to play more games with y'all. So uh, s- sorry for some of the so for the lack of them throughout December and probably November. Uh, but we are we're getting back on the horse for more of those games. Uh, the next up tier is the fifty dollar tier, and as we announced last week, that is now called Mama's Lovely Larva. It is the year of the bug. Yep. Our our Gama Mama is now reigning supreme. We will have a pin design uh, on the way. And that also means that the 2021 Lil Peace Turtle pins are, we're going to get them uh, printed and sent out. I believe there's probably some Space Kitty pins from 2020 still trying to find their way into people's mailboxes. Um, so... A, yeah, I don't know. It, it, if, if you haven't gotten one, uh, definitely reach out to. If you yeah. were supposed to get a Space Kitty pin and you haven't gotten it at this point, like please, actually, yeah. you should message me that. Right. Um, but uh, we are trying to catch up on merch. We have another wave of Weird Bear shirts yep. that are sitting in Matt's room, waiting for a patch to be applied to them. Yep. Um, I have a bunch of uh, postage stuff. Uh, so we are definitely trying to catch up on the merch that we owe people um, for sure. So. Uh, it'll be cool to see that 2021 pin. Um, we waited. It we The reason you haven't seen it already is because we kind of catch up in the winter time on the merch. And yeah. my winter was uh, horrible. <laughs> um, so, yeah. 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 We're catching up. Um, the, also, Mama's Lovely Larva. <laughs> I think a lot of people forget <laughs> that there's another promise within that tier. Uh, and it's that we wanted to do other like non-tournament, non-just playthrough games video content. And to a certain extent, like we still want to do that stuff. So uh, if you want to see that kind of content early, early releases on our non-gameplay content, uh, please still expect that. And please, you know, feel free to poke me about it and be like, hey, when do we get one of those videos? And I can be like, hey, I hope soon. <laughs> and every time I'll just be like, I would love to do, do that. But uh, your support means we get to work more towards that goal and and we can uh, sacrifice more time to making these kind of weird little big projects we would love to to do um tournament season makes it hard to do that stuff but i think we had an idea of what post tournament season would look like in 2021 and it looked very differently and i do not think 22 uh will have the same <laughs> unpredictability that 21 had um so and then yeah like i said weird bad jerseys uh, those are those are on the way. Uh, there will be another wave. You know, we do those in waves as a reminder. So like once we get enough people to do kind of like a good set of jerseys, we send them all out. So if you haven't received yours, just let us know. And uh, we either have you on our list already or, you know, we can make sure we <laughs> have have it fixed or whatever. So, yeah, yeah. that's that's Patreon stuff. Yeah, uh, please, uh, please consider uh, supporting us. Uh, I feel like last year was supposed to be this big year about like kind of expanding the scope of what we do. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like we were kind of cheated out of that a little bit, but I feel like at this point, uh, I am hell bent on us, uh, showing you some new stuff that we can do. Yeah. Um, and outside of just, just merely the tournament, which is, <laughs> right. you know, it's kind of, <laughs> it's this, funny uh, that we say this as the tournament thing. gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And like, there's no, like, it's uh, hard to imagine we could, do more than just the tournament at this point but the goal being finding good ways to include more folks i think the qualifiers are a perfect example of like there can be a community effort in aspects of the tournament that are appropriate um and then that saves hunter and i time to do more space cat stuff than just the tournament and we can still be doing the tournament as well so a little bit of everything right that's that's the goal yeah, and also, uh, I'm never moving again. <laughs> Ever again. <laughs> if someone 
if tomorrow I find out I'm supposed to move here, um, you're going to have to come get like literally carry me out yeah. of this place. Yeah, Hunter, like, you moved no three times. You did three cross country moves in one year. Yeah. 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 So uh, uh, we're, 2022 will miserable. be easier. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 2022 will be easier because 2021 was 2021 was my 2020. Yeah. That's right. how I would put it. <laughs> Yeah, remember how everyone else had to do lockdown and crazy stuff in 2020? Well, Hunter and I's job didn't really have that happen to us. No. You know, we were just both in our rooms. But then, yeah, then 2021 was exactly that. Um, okay, let's play, let's play a game. Let's play what would it look like if we were wrong with our What does that even mean, list? Matt? What are you even talking about? So, like, how come you can't explain what you're talking about ever? You just start saying I stuff. Think, I don't think we... Why should we? Why should... What, who do we owe an explanation to? Me. You owe it to me. What is this? <laughs> so we have we have our tier list from last week, and uh, obviously there's been a wonderfully worded errata, which is just imagining if we could possibly be wrong, what aspects of the list might we have been wrong with. But more than that, I see this as the beginning of kind of our tournament predictions and our 2022 predictions of what faction rankings on our list could we see diverging from where we feel they currently are it, by the end of the tournament can we look back at our uh, our faction tier list and could we imagine a future matt and hunter that sees the list differently and what could those differences be uh, essentially we're, we're going to play like a sort of over under on all of our factions of whether or not each faction belongs in the tier that it's in or in the placement that it's in or should it can we see the world where it goes higher or lower than what it currently is? Can can we envision a scenario where a faction under or overperforms based on our faction tier list? Yeah, let's do that. Let's um, do that. So let, let's start with uh, the top tier, which was called Hard to Have a Bad Time. Uh, in that tier, we put Sar, we put Necro, we put Nomad, and we put Jolnar. Matt, what do you think? So I highlighted in this one, uh, This I think this is my hottest take of everything we're going to talk about. Oh, I think Sa Matt's got a hot take. Uh, Matt's got a hot, hot take. Look out. Wow. Sar and Jolnar, I think, stay up here. They're going to do well. They're, they're, they're hard to deal with. But I think Nomad could struggle in this year's tournament. Um, I, I feel like we have so many new newer people in this year's tournament. There's so many players that we've never seen before um, that... I think the story of Nomad may turn into a little bit of actually uh, more experience is when Nomad shines. And also, in our tournament specifically, Nomad is in a bunch of faction matchups with higher tier stuff compared to uh, in previous drafts where like good stuff would get banned and then Nomad was like top of the stuff that was making it through games and then was like crazy overperforming. I think Nomad is in harder matchups this year and we will see Nomad taken down a bit of a peg. Um, so that's that's the one world where I feel like maybe Nomad doesn't uh, rise as high as we feel like they currently do. That's interesting because in past tournaments there was a ban phase which meant a lot of the times you saw that the tippity top factions not even be eligible for competition. You just wouldn't even see them. Right. Uh, so in a situation like that, perhaps it was in term tournament three that Nomad was a little bit underrated. So it was per perhaps possible that Nomad was uh, a little bit underrated by the community yeah. and therefore was making it through a lot of drafts that they should not have made. And now Matt has thrown out the band phase. <laughs> um he completely got rid of it. Didn't even ask me, just got rid of it. Just one day, just walked in and said, band phases out. And I'm like, well, whatever you say, boss. 
Um, and now he's built all these pools, like a little mad scientist. And Nomad is having to actually face off consistently in the top tier. We're treating Nomad as if they are a top tier faction. Right, right. So now they have to prove that they are a top tier faction. Right. Um, which, uh, yeah, they might not, maybe we're, maybe we're a little wrong. Maybe they should be, yeah. be shifted down. I mean, I can't imagine that we're wrong, but if well, we can imagine it, then yeah. sure. And to, to, to counter argue my counter argument, um, there's also the world where Nomad is in with all these other amazing factions that the other factions get all the heat and then Nomad Hero continues to sneak all of these last second victories because they're like fourth on the radar when they should be first on the radar of like, you know, point swing potential. So I could still see lots of nomad wins happening, but I think we will not see nearly, I don't think we'll see the same win rate percentage on nomad that we saw last year. That's my, that's my take. Okay, cool. So nomad a little overrated. Yeah. What do we want to talk about next? Um, so I think I must've marked this one. Cause I don't think you feel this way at all. Uh, ne Necro is the other top tier faction that we, we could see being taken down a peg potentially yeah why do you say that <laughs> well necro is so okay this one this one is me giving some errata to stads i think stads came out saying hey i feel like necro ha can have really bad early games and if we don't see necro get an early gravity drive things don't things don't go as well the counter argument that, to that is necro uh crushes it at stage twos so, like, doesn't always need their early game to be amazing. But I do think Necro requires a lot of really good players to, like, do super well. And I feel like in the realm of the prelims and qualifiers, Necro could underperform just due to other things, like, taking off faster than than Necro do. And, uh, and Necro... Mm having a bad start that then you know I, I feel like it's more common for games to end in like round four in the qualifiers and prelims than it is in the semis and uh finals that's uh, that's probably backed up with no data but it feels like you see more swing wins and mm -hmm. necro doesn't maybe necessarily do well in a swing win game i think i don't think necro necessarily swing swings into a win i think necro firmly wins round five like all the time mm, that's interesting i I feel like, yeah, maybe I, I I think we maybe didn't talk enough about Necro in the episode. Mm -hmm. And so maybe we sort of, I don't remember if we mentioned the, that the start can be kind of slow. Yeah. I just feel like always though, by round three, Necro is like on pretty online. Yeah. Like I, I've never, I've never played a game of Necro where it felt like the start was so rough that my momentum was so messed up. So, but maybe though, in a situation where the where the secrets that you've been dealt are tough yeah. for Necro, uh, where the publics are kind of tough, where you're like just sort of like really behind on point momentum, maybe it's too late to catch up. And mm -hmm. you know, if it's like if you make it all the way to round three and you're just not doing so hot, and your your uh, maybe your plastic is good, but your tech is bad, right? Um, and you're up against yeah. a Sar or a Nomad or whatever, you know, all these other factions yeah. that could be screaming ahead. It may just be too late. It may be too slow. I think it's a really good point that if we do a thought experiment where we imagine that everything is going wrong for Necro, that they would have a bad time. <laughs> That's a good point, Stads and Matt. Great point. What's yours? Let's what, talk about... Yeah. Huh? What's, 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 we're in the hard-to-stop category. Hunter, what do you think uh, do we have? What could, in the universe where we were wrong, what would that look like to you? Well, we just we talked about Necro Nomad. I feel like Jolnar and Sar are great and yeah. in the top tier, no matter what universe you're talking about. I don't think there is a universe where they are 
not in the top tier. So yeah. I mean, I could I could talk more about the next tier, but I don't yes. feel like I have anything. No, give me that. Yeah. Give me hard to stop. What what what's different and hard to stop? Hard to stop. So that tier was uh, where we put Imp- uh, Argent, Empyrean, Soul, Nazroka, Hakan, and L1. Yeah. I think that it's possible that Argent is a little bit underrated. Yeah. Even at this point. Right. I think me and you were being uh, conservative yeah. <laughs> in putting them in a second tier. I think it might be possible that Argent is like the number one or number two faction in the game. And, I, and here is why Tournament 4 is like kind of a test of that, right? In Tournament 3, Argent performed, I think, very well and kind of got on everybody's radar as like, this is a great faction and their kit is so good that they become unstoppable if they get any momentum. Um, especially good, solid momentum. Then it's just like, yeah, there's just no way to get to... I want to see Argent uh, get Winslade because yeah. I just don't even know how you could do it. Right. Um, they would have to like completely mess up their everything and then it wouldn't even count i guess but um if they do well in tournament four with all the heat and attention that they have from tournament Mm -hmm. three then they are truly uh in that i think top three spot yeah um and so yeah i think it's possible that we have underrated them by a a spot or two and i think that putting them at the top of the second tier instead of maybe even the bottom of the top tier uh while that's like such a tiny minor difference I feel like in that way we have underrated them a tiny bit, possibly. Now, this right. isn't an alternate universe. Right, this right, is right. correct for now, but. I think it's almost the opposite of my Nomad argument, which is like, I think Nomad, when up against the pressure of better factions, might do worse. But Argent, up against the pressure of better factions, I don't think does any worse, which changes our perception of how good Argent is, right? Like, that's the idea, mm-hmm. is like, if Argent actually can keep up with all of these crazy top-tier factions, then clearly argent belongs among them if not ahead of most of them so yeah yeah i think that's a fair point what, what uh a, what about what do you think about where empyrean is that i don't remember if you highlighted that one i don't not. know that uh, so we have it marked as we are overrating empyrean and it may have been me i don't remember marking this one though but uh overrating empyrean to me would mostly rely on the idea that most of our empyrean stats and win rates um most of my assumptions come from last year's qualifiers and prelims and the map in last year's qualifiers and prelims many people have noted was very generous to empyrean and i can't necessarily say like milty draft is as generous to empyrean and yeah. so i feel like we could see empyrean go down a peg if only because we're doing way more milty drafts and the maps don't kind of eke out as consistently um for empyrean yeah, I think that maybe there's a possibility that Empyrean is is a, a smidge overrated because I think right now in the meta, um, there's a lot of incentive to play nice with Empyrean. Yeah. Um, because of the very good promissory note that they basically have that is just says one person will play nice with you consistently. Yeah. Um, but that could change at any point because that's very meta dependent, right? Like, yeah. what if people decide it's just not worth it? Empyrean is uh, too uh, strong economically in everyone's brains. So now they become, uh, you know, less effective because they really, they have a, they have a defensive kit, which is nice. The, the flagship parked in the home system is very good. The mech is, I think where the issue could arise because the mech is so good that I'm not sure why people should be nice to Empyrean. Like, I feel like yeah. people should yeah. be more, like, on alert. 
I because agree. the mech is so obnoxious. That's where it ended up at the end. By the end of the prelims last time, every time we were watching a game with Empyrean in it, I feel like the commentary was always like, why aren't they like <laughs> really doing something about Empyrean? Because it's so obvious that these mechs are going to fire off in the final round and just ruin everybody's day, no matter what you want to do. Because they're, they're a wind slayer, they're a wind maker, like the mechs do everything and you have to get ahead of them. And, and if we see people appropriately get ahead of them, then it could really change how we feel about the faction i agree with that yeah i just think that if it's it's kind of um it's sort of like your it's a little bit like your nomad argument where it's like they have they have a lot of heat now yeah. and in tournament four i feel like we will see how well they perform in a in a hot environment yeah where it's point. funny because it's like if you take nomad argent and empyrean those are the top three rated yep uh, expansion factions um i i don't necessarily agree with you about nomad by the way sure. i think nomad no, I know. I know is you too don't. versatile yeah um argent i think i feel pretty confident that they could stand up to the heat yeah but empyrean is kind of the one where it's like yeah i <laughs> a, I, I i feel like th what's tricky about it is if you want to be mean to empyrean you kind of have to decide to do it early mm -hmm. right because their mm -hmm. late game is so you know everyone kind of goes through the same motions with empyrean in the late game of just like you know, maybe get a secret draw uh, to replace your bad one, uh, lock it up in the home yeah. system with the flagship. Well, uh, we talked a lot about the flagship. Win. Yeah, we talked a lot yeah. about the flagship in the episode, but uh, some of the errata we did get about Empyrean was we didn't talk enough about that commander and how good that commander also yeah, is for yes. defending your home system. The idea right. that every attack on your home system is another chance of retaliation for Empyrean to get their home system back. So it's not just that, oh, the dynamo locks things up. It's like, no, 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 no. To make an attempt on my home system gives me more chances to retake it or defend it or whatever. Yeah, it also discourages you from doing that kind of um, team win slaying thing right. where like one person comes in to whittle down and then the other person comes in to, to finish it off right. um, because of that commander. Because it's like, well, if I activate the Empyrean at all, they're going to get to build again at their home system. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. kind of tough. And, and in that situation, it depends on the turn order to decide yep. whether that's going to be worth it or not, which is like very tricky, especially to talk about in the abstract. So I don't know. Yeah. Empyrean's tough in the late game. Um, so you got to be, if you want to be mean to them, I think you got to decide to be, to be mean to them early. And currently it feels like there's no incentive to do that in the meta. Yeah. So that would have to change. Right. Um, we have soul and Nasroka marked as like, ah, we feel all right. They're hard to stop. They continue to be hard to stop. Um, yeah. L one is marked as the consistent here, but Hakan we've got mm -hmm. as underrated here is is hakan yeah. underrated i think hakan is underrated mostly because of how qdn performed yeah in tournament three i feel like qdn was this thing we kept saying hakan get it and then it just kind of wouldn't work out to be that big of a deal um i think that there's a chance that it's become a little underrated because i feel like i've just seen it like not yeah. really hand uh hakan the win um and i feel like i don't know i yeah i just this is more of a gut feeling y'all yeah, i think yeah. i think qdn is really really good and it doesn't make sense how it doesn't win hakan games more often like i feel like the combination of hakan's hero having that massive late game build for free uh and qdn seems to me that like well if we get to the end of the game hakan is gonna be in such a great spot obviously yeah comes down to a yellow skip um i understand that but i feel like uh, i don't know i yeah. just feel like they're just like a smidge underrated yeah. on our on well, our and, list and considering multi-draft i don't think hakan is usually a top 
pick as a faction. Like, I don't think anybody's mm-hmm. grabbing Hakan first, which means I think Hakan ending in a slice with a yellow skip is kind of likely possible. Like, it's it's not that hard to, like, end up with a good slice combination with Hakan because they're not this thing that, like, you got to grab them first and then take whatever's left. Like, you, you can get kind of a combination going with Hakan. So, yeah, yeah. I, I think the multi draft will serve them well. Yeah, and also we didn't really talk about QDN much when we yeah, were talking we about Hakan in the episode. Yeah. Well, it's funny because um, there's it people is like their superpower. There's people that are giving pushback on Hakan as uh, us overrating Hakan because they're like, well, the meta st- they still depend on the meta so hard, and it's like, yeah, but we failed to talk about QDN where the meta doesn't matter. <laughs> like they they get to complete with their hero and their uh, uh, QDN, they literally just override whatever meta had been tripping them up all game, and they they do whatever they want. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's it, it it could go both ways, but I I agree with Hunter that I think they could end up close to the stop the top of this tier. Basically, I don't think they move into hard to have a bad time tier. They're not that good, but I think they could be like among one of the harder to stops. It's like Soul, and then maybe Hakan is number two. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the next tier, Matt. Yep. So glass cannon. Uh, to move through stuff, I think we both feel Asarl and Winu feel pretty good about both of those. I was even trying to envision a scenario where Winu is better or worse than we were thinking, and like it, ne- it never made sense to me. I I just feel like Winu is the definitive glass cannon, and there's just nowhere else you can rightfully put them yeah. <laughs> than that. Um, but I do think Cabal could actually underperform uh, this our expectations. I think there's a little bit of our thoughts on cabal because we didn't see them very much uh because of the bans in in tournament three um they're yeah. a, they're a very bannable faction but not because they're a winning faction right they're bannable because they they're designed to ruin someone else's games but now right. they're in a third of the drafts and in those drafts they are probably a higher pick like they're somebody's gonna want to take cabal um it's it takes a pretty mindful player to be like well i probably can't handle the heat i think a lot of us go oh well i guess i'll see if i can handle the heat you know of of playing cabal and i could see a world where uh the meta is so hard against cabal that they actually fall into that needs a seventh player tier where it's just like you can't get any action at the table you can't make anything happen people are blockading your space docks people aren't giving you an inch and in those situations maybe cabal never fully takes off um i don't know that like vortex and your agent are enough to put you ahead um economically and and all of cabal's economics rely on combat beyond there so if you can't ever like get the first this was like the idea going into why i was originally super unimpressed with vulwraith cabal like pre-release was like well if you never get (laughs) that plastic in your play area then you never do anything with it right and then you have no abilities and so i do feel like there's this sense that cabal in a meta where the heat is all over them actually they just never quite perform as well as you'd like to see them perform yeah, I think that's possible. So, so you're saying we've overrated them and that they're actually in a or, lower. Yes, I I think they tier. might be down in the needs the seventh player, uh, or more importantly, they need the other six pl- or the other five players to like leave them like not <laughs> care about their whole thing, which is like maybe an impossible task. I think there's no scenario yeah. where you sit down to the table and your neighbors aren't like, how do I make sure to slow Cabal down? Versus like so many other factions that we're generally afraid of. We were just talking about Empyrean, right? Where it's like, oh, people should sit down worried about Empyrean. Everybody does that with Cabal. And I think it I think it really uh, cuts their legs out from under them. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I, I also feel like I've seen a lot of Cabal games and I haven't seen a lot of Cabal wins. So yeah. anecdotally in my heart, I find this I find this very possible. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, next up is Titans. I don't have a lot to say here. We basically said in the episode where it's like, I still think there's something to Titans. I think Titans are really good, and we're just not seeing it happen. And I, I, I'm I, saying we are underrating Titans at the bottom of glass cannons, and I think they're actually more reliable. We just need to see those strategies become normalized. But I feel like if we get like a, a an early Titans win, people will like look at that game and, and watch it a couple times or whatever, like the Titans fans will like pay attention to that game and see what the secret sauce is. And then just like that will become the Titans meta and P and we will, we will live in a world again where Titans are good. That's my whole argument. <laughs> I think that Titans is the expansion version of Muat yeah. where okay. it's a lot of cool stuff that can happen. But I think the problem is that the math doesn't work out in the end. It's too it's much like, of a oh, you can do all feed. these things. Yeah. Do what? Sorry. What did you it's say? It's like a, it's too much of a drip feed of their abilities. It, everything just is like this slow roll. Things aren't happening in the right amount of time, and so the, the like you're saying, the math doesn't check out. Like you're not getting the dividends fast enough. Yeah, that's that, yeah, that's exactly my point. Um, yeah. So I just feel like it's uh, it's like too expensive. It's like a it's like a car that needs that isn't very fuel efficient. Yeah. Essentially. Right. Right, right. All right. So uh, walk me through. So the needs a seventh player. We have almost nothing highlighted here. You and I are very firm in all of these factions. We still think are close to the bottom of the pack. Extra Barony, Ghost, Mahawked. But you've gone ahead and you've marked Ma uh, Mentak here, Hunter. What's up? Yeah, I think Mentak's underrated. Uh, I think they rule. I think uh, everybody sucks. <laughs> and that Mentak rules. I think Mentak is cooler than you. It's cooler than your parents. Uh, and I think they're just the coolest faction on the street and you can't handle it. And and uh, I'm just, you know, anecdotally, Mentac has a very high win rate in my yeah. life. Yep. They're winning all the time. Uh, they're they're cool. They're interesting. And uh, they just rule the school. Yeah. And all these other factions just seem like lame and, and stupid by comparison. Uh, Mentac forever. Uh, <laughs> so, of course, they're underrated because they're the best faction in the, the whole best game. Faction. I, I've actually, yeah, genuinely gotten tired of the, like, Mentac got nothing good in POK take because it's like, well, first off, their mech the rules, good. actually. Their hero is quite good. Even their agent is pretty good. Like, Mentac getting a ton of action cards all game? Like, that's mm -hmm. that's really good. <laughs> like, I don't, I, I can't stand by this, this idea anymore that Mentac stuff is super underwhelming because it clearly isn't shaping out to be that way. Yep. Yep. Mentech rules. You suck. <laughs> That's uh, my so take. La our last one. Uh, two, these two are both fast. Uh, actively difficult. Uh, we feel good about Sardak and Nalu and Yin. Uh, but Muat, I will concede to the Muat fans that there's a world where some people figure out Muat this year. Obviously, they didn't last year, but I, I can envision a world where Muat gets, I mean, spoiler uh, they have they have won a, a game so far in the qualifiers, which is like more than they ever did last year in the prelims and qualifiers, right? So Muat already technically off to a better start. Uh, I think in they're in a lot more like lower tier faction uh, selections, right? They're not always going to be mm -hmm. up against like Sar Necro Nomad or whatever. And I I think we'll finally see some Muat wins. I don't think they'll be one of like a top tier faction. I don't think they'll be amazing, but I do think they'll get themselves out of actively difficult. Yeah, that's, uh, that's fair. That might happen. I, I, you know, there has been that one win though, Matt, and I think you're overreacting to just that. I, oh, win. I agree. I, I agree. Think that's I agree. what it is. Yeah. Well, I yeah. mean, Hey, Magi won as the Yin Brotherhood and I am not changing how I feel about the Yin Brotherhood because, uh, as Magi even put it, I didn't use any of the, I played vanilla TI. Like I didn't use any Yin abilities right. almost the entire game. So I did not win because of any Magi won a game because Magi is really good. 
Right. You shouldn't use Yen's abilities if you're playing as Yen. You should try and avoid <laughs> using them because they're just a distraction. Yeah, they from, are. Um, yeah, just However, I do have one other fun hot take here. Right at the right at the end is I think we're overrating Arborek again. I think we've given too much uh, too much room for Arborek. I think Arborek might still be the worst faction. And with one, Matt. my point here's here's my only actual point. This is a fake point, but here's my only other point. Yin Don't do has, fake points. Give me a real point. The real point that's fake is that Yin has already won once, and I don't think we'll see Arborek win in this tournament. And then we'll just have to re-decide that Arborek is the worst. <laughs> I don't think so. I think I I, th I think that logic makes no sense. That makes zero sense, Matt. We've already seen an Arborek win on a higher profile, uh -huh. and recently it wasn't yeah. that long ago that Andra changed the world. Okay, a <laughs> we revolution live in world now. Yeah, a revolution has happened, and you it seems like you are unwilling to accept it. Yeah. Well, uh, so that's that's our what that's our fake uh, future that we might live in. But let's let's do some tournament predictions after this quick break. Okay, we're back, and we have another game to play. This is just the day of games, Hunter. We're just playing. We're just playing our own stupid little games all day today. Um, yeah, but yeah, we are. We've <laughs> we've sat down, uh, and each of us have written out ten predictions for this year's tournaments. Things we think could might happen. I think we've both chosen things that we uh, are not like obvious predictions, right? It's not like oh yeah, uh, I think that Nomad's going to win a lot of games or whatever. I, I these are predictions that are off the beaten path, and and if they if they happen, then that'll be kind of a miracle. Maybe um, can we decide like. What do, what do we win? Give us errata for what the stakes of this prediction game are. Yeah, I, I there we genuinely, go. I want the I want the community to decide what Hunter and I are playing for here, uh, and what what it means when one of us wins this thing at the end of the tournament, and what we have to do. Um, but let's go through. Here are my ten tournament predictions for the tournament four uh, prelims, qualifiers, semis, finals, all of it, the whole thing. We won't we won't know this is done until the entire tournament is over. Uh, first. I believe that the actively difficult tier of factions uh, will succeed. We will see a, a, a kind of reasonable win rate for all of those factions in the qualifiers, but they will fail in all other rounds. They will not do well in the prelims, the semis, or the finals. I think we will see them go maybe winless in all other uh, tiers of, of the so games. So, like, another way to word this would be, like, the underdogs do really well in the qualifiers, but then it kind of all falls apart for yeah. those factions. Yeah. Well, I, I, I don't know. I don't know, Matt. I yeah. mean, what about, what about Andra, though? I know. Like, well, and the, the trickiest part of this, too, is, is even deciding that the qualifiers and prelims are stylistically any different, because they're not. Like, <laughs> they're, they're essentially the same pool of players, right? Just some of, some of those players have technically proven themselves. Uh, already by making it through the qualifiers, but there's you know a huge chunk of prelims players that haven't played a game yet are are complete wild cards still. So the idea that the prelims would have like a wildly different meta from the qualifiers probably doesn't track. But I don't know. That's I I'm, that's what I'm feeling. I'm just feeling like we've already seen it. We've seen a Muat, a Sardak, and a Yin win in the first seven games of the qualifiers, and I just I feel like maybe that trend will continue. That these bad factions will just sort of like sneak out these victories. Well, but what about if bad fact if there's a pool in you know the semifinals that's all bad factions? I mean, what I mean, yep. what about that, Matt? Well, then I don't know. We have to weigh it against whatever we're doing in those rounds, I guess. Uh, but we'll I'm sure we'll decide that this uh, this 
prediction doesn't even count by the time we get to uh, rating them at the end of the tournament. So who knows? Um, my number two <laughs> prediction is that a boringly good faction will win the finals unceremoniously. I think the finals <laughs> will just be like Jolnar crushes it all game and then wins or soul crushes it all. Like one of those factions that doesn't do anything fancy. They're just good all game. And my prediction is to put it more specifically. I think the finalists will get into each other's heads so much that we'll just watch someone stroll into a victory because like they, they went crazy too, too much. I mean, it's sort of what we saw in the invitational finals, right? Is like they did this huge wind slaying attempt and then never backed it up after the fact. And then, uh, like the idea was that Deft Piper won the draft, like had a good slice with Federation of Soul and just nothing was properly ever done about that. Um, mm -hmm. I think it will be even less dramatic than than that because that game at least had like a crazy Winslay round. And I think we see the round like imagine if Deft had just won in round five of the Invitational Tournament. That's what I think our, this year's finals will look like. Well, I hope you're wrong, Matt. I do too. Yeah, what, yeah. A, what a what a horrible <laughs> prediction that you've chosen to make. What, what a, I've done what a, here, what I've done here, is given me some an opportunity for exciting commentary. If this slowly becomes the case, is I get to I get to just be excited that my prediction is coming true. If nothing else is uh, engaging or interesting about the finals, so you're now rooting for the finals to be <laughs> a boring exercise and just having the best faction win. Yes, yeah, very that's good, exactly Matt. It. That's great energy to put out there. Love it. <laughs> Love it a lot. Uh, number three is I believe we will have another neighbor curse this year. Last year, there was a Muat neighbor curse that held true for most of the tournament, which is that the Muat, the neighbor of the Embers of Muat never won. Uh, and I think that will be true this year. And I think it will be L1Z1X. I think we will see an L1Z1X neighbor almost never, ever win. Why do you believe that? Because I think L1 is designed that way. <laughs> For them to to uh to be able to do damage i think they can win slay any neighbor they ever want so if a if a neighbor has a chance of winning i think l1 can stop it anyways so yeah i just think i think we're gonna see uh a lot of l1 games and i think that they'll always be going toe to toe with l1 in the end and they'll always lose i think decently often in a game with l1 there is an uh, a curse on one of the other players but you don't know who it is. Yeah, that's why right. I feel like L the L one as a neighbor curse. It sure. doesn't really make sense. But L one can always win can go slay somebody. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's true. It's true. Uh, so uh, number four, I believe that the semifinals will be twenty percent or less repeat semifinalists from all three previous years. I think we will be eighty percent new blood in the semis. That makes sense. That would just be consistent with with previous Probably. years right yeah maybe this yeah. might be my most obvious prediction of them all so pretty I mean, boring they've, they've all been really obvious to be <laughs> honest but uh next up become a martyr will never be someone's 10th point no one will get the 10th point become a martyr win we saw it like a dozen times well not a dozen but like last year became really freaky because like three of the earliest wins in last year's tournament were become the martyr for the 10th point and everyone was like oh matt hey matt hey and i think that will know i think become a martyr's day in the shade is over i don't think anybody cares about that secret objective anymore and we won't see any fancy 10th point bams i bet you there will at least be one and that will throw this prediction in the garbage yeah, yeah. there will just be one single one yeah <laughs> that will and, and there won't be any more than that so They'll my prediction would be this They'll do it on purpose because I've put this out into the ether. I've said it, and now someone will be like, hey, listen, y'all could give me the bam for the 10th point just to, just to throw off Matt's prediction. 
You're right. So now you've basically sealed that it will happen at least one time in order to stop your prediction. <laughs> I'm sorry, Matt. The audience is just like that. <laughs> uh, number six, I believe that the prelims, the only 36 prelim games, will see more tiebreakers than all 80 qualifying games. Hmm. Well, what's up with that one? What do you? Why do you think that? I just th- I I feel like the qualifiers. What we've seen already from the very very few qualifier games that we've seen is just I don't know. I f- I feel like they're going to close it out. I think there is um slightly less attention to each individual qualifier game because they're happening on a bunch of different channels, right? Like we're doing our best to to post the channel links in chat. They're getting you know good viewership, I think. But I I I, f- I think that the players are playing quickly through those games and i just think now they might go to the tiebreaker round like the the timer might go off but i don't think it will go to a full-on tiebreaker as often as i just feel like the prelims are going to go long i feel like those games are gonna for some reason go long very often Hmm. i I mean it it would be inconsistent with last year where the last year i think the qualifiers had more tiebreaker wins or it might be that they did not have more it's just the tiebreaks uh, in the qualifiers sounded bigger. more apocryphal yeah. and more <laughs> heretical in their uh, in in the way that they exercised the tiebreaker. I'm yeah. thinking of, of course, the clown fiesta, uh, <laughs> which if I hear about another clown fiesta, ooh, ooh, you're in trouble. You'll, you'll be in trouble. I will write your names down on a list. <laughs> uh, number seven, this one's very specific. I believe that Mantis, the player, will win exactly one game in the tournament they will get out of their round and then never go on beyond them but i do think they'll find a win this year why you put this out there why would you do this to mantis why would you first of all it's it's kind of a mean prediction because you're just saying that mantis will win exact you're capping mantis's potential Uh with the prediction yeah but also you're putting it out there that mantis is going to win mantis's game which of course (laughs) will make it harder for mantis to win mantis's game (laughs) I think Why makes, you do this? I, I think the I think the community hates me enough that they will look, they'll give Mantis the win to twice to prove me wrong rather than giving him no wins to prove me wrong. Oh, I see what you're saying is they're going to go the other way about uh, about it, except for the way that I found, which is the most obvious way, which is to just not <laughs> let Mantis win the game. I think uh, Mantis should stop himself from winning in yeah, order to to, to prove you this. wrong. Uh, number eight is um, the hard to stop tier of our faction Hootenanny will have a better win rate than the hard to have a ba- uh, bad time uh, tier. I think Argent, Empyrean, Soul, Nasroka, Hakan, and L1 will have, on average, a better win rate than Sar, Necro, Nomad, and Jolnar. Yeah, that would just be consistent with past uh, Yeah, with, with now, past the, tournaments. The, the reason it's consistent with past, but I still think it's an okay prediction, is because the highest one would is always like they don't get any games in, but this is the year where those good factions have the chance to actually prove themselves as good factions rather than always resting on the assumption that they're good. Jolnar has to actually win the games now, right? Versus just like, hey, you played in three games and you won one. Guess I guess your 33% win rate, that's pretty good. Like that that stuff won't necessarily fly anymore. Uh, Number nine, I believe Extra Kingdom will get a three-point hero swing and still lose a game. They'll get the three points, two agendas, and an Imperial Rider from the hero, and then still lose the game. I think that's going to happen at least once. I think that's just something you want. Yeah, happen. it is. Yeah, you know, just yeah. I'm, I'm just root. This is a thing to root for, basically, for me. That would be really funny, too, if it's like all eyes were on extra 
and the the roulette goes off and it's like X just got this locked up in the yeah. bag and then like the next action someone scores an action for yeah, the secret exactly. to win. Like that would be great. <laughs> I would like to see it happen like that. Yeah. And my final prediction is that the custodian player, the player who gets the custodian's token, will win less than one sixth of the games. They won't win. Whoa. They won't get. They won't. And I don't even. I, f I forget what the percentage is of previous tournaments, but I said one sixth because it's like, hey, all six players have a chance to win. One sixth is always the custodian. Obviously, custodian probably has a, generally speaking, higher likelihood. I think custodian's player will have a bat, not a great win rate in this year's tournament. Wow. So getting custodians, this prediction is that getting custodians would make you less likely to win yeah. than if you didn't get it. Yeah, I think it's obvious heat that the player gets and that Imperial points and stage twos will be are more reliable uh, sources of victory than being on Mechatol with the custodians and everyone looking at you and nobody letting you get away with stuff. Wow. Yeah, I think... Ah, that's crazy, Matt. That's mm -hmm. that's like that. That's the wildest thing it's you had in there. Stupidly bold. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, cool. Well, let's talk about my list. Here's ten stupid predictions. <laughs> I think there's like one or two that I may have already sort of revealed. Um, but the first one is two words: repeat finalist. Whoa. Yeah. From any of the three previous years, or from last year specifically. From any of the three previous okay. years, a fine and actually technically there's there's four. if you count the invitational, okay, there's four groups of finalists that one I think will come back and yeah. be in the finals again, um, okay, because it just hasn't happened. But now the pool is so much bigger of possible yeah. people that that could be, and I just, I just have a feeling like this is the year we get a repeat finalist. It will be really it. fun. Cool. Um, number two is uh, this one's boring, but uh, the glass cannons will have the worst win rates mm. so your your Isarls, your winus your cabals your titans that their win rates will be the lowest um i think that the way that the structure of the pools is is uh yeah. set up okay. will just always kind of make them either you know the bottom of the top or the top of the bottom in a way that doesn't just doesn't work out to them winning and also they're all glass cannons yep so i feel like they're just really flimsy in general yeah 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 my number three is that Argent will be the de facto best faction by the end of the tournament. I sort of already spoiled this one, right? Um, but like, I just think I don't know. You, I think you, that so, and happen. and for this one, you're you're saying literally they will have the highest win rate percentage of any faction in the entire tournament. That's kind I of I think, I think that Sar has w worn the crown for so yeah. long yeah. that it was always going to take like kind of a long process yeah. for a faction to unseat Sar. And if there is any faction that I think could actually be the best faction in the game instead of Sar. I think it would be Argent. Wow. But we just have to have more data. Yeah. And I think it's possible that by the end of this fact, uh, this uh, tournament, we're looking at it and just being like, wow, it's uh, actually obvious that yeah. Argent is the best one. I, um, I think that is the biggest thing of, of getting rid of the bands this year. That's what we're testing is because like we said earlier, for all these years, these amazing factions have gone under the radar of just, well, we assume they're still good because they always get banned. <laughs> but we, yeah. we, they've never actually had to put up or shut up. And this year is like put up or shut up for the good factions. And then we get to That's actually true. see what's good. So yeah, I think this is awesome. This is a great one. Yeah. Uh, my number four is that uh, this year will be about European revenge <laughs> on the other regions. It will be in full swing and talking will be outlawed <laughs> in all uh, tournament games. The game will become uh, colder, stranger, uh -huh. uh, and more tactical. Uh, Imsen will, of course, still be uh, allowed to talk, 
uh, and play uh, violin. Uh, but most uh, most players, it will be de uh, incentivized to talk, and Europeans will do uh, very very well and make uh, uh, get a lot of players into the finals. Um, I think that okay. will happen. Is it, so so to put some sort of quantifiable thing on this. Is it more Europeans in the semis or I, like a, a, a surplus of Europeans in the finals? So how, how it starts, Matt, is more Europeans make it into the semis than past years. And we're like, whoa, there's a lot of Europeans in the semis. And then the Europeans start saying, uh, you know, we, we, <laughs> we will, will, we will play colder. <laughs> we will play stronger, you know. Uh, and there, there will not be so much of the talkiness, yeah. okay? Um, and then uh, players that are similar to Teddy... Um, these kind of used car salesmen, uh, yeah. um, America types, we'll just be, uh, we'll just get choked out. <laughs> They're just like, there's no way. Yeah. It's just like every, everyone, pe people say like all the streams will just be like completely silent. And then like the one like American in each game will like speak up and no yeah. one will respond nope. to what they said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I want. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. number five, Magi will win, make someone into the semis. Magi will fail to get yeah. into the semis himself. And will do some dirty gamble yeah. that won't go in his favor, and instead he will he will win make someone who will be kind of the new the, yeah. the magi horse <laughs> that with that all the magi fans can bet on because it, they have magi's blessing. That's yeah. what we'll call them, the magi's blessing. <laughs> magi's blessing. I mean, blessing this is win. basically a guarantee. This is this is this almost doesn't count as a prediction. This is just how magi plays the game. So it's true. Yeah, it's true. Um, number six. This is Team Canada's year. Mm. Um, this is actually really similar to number four, and that I'm just calling out a region and saying, like, I think they're going to do better than they've done in the past. Yeah. Um, I think it's going to be uh, all about Europe and all about Canada. I think Canada uh, kind of underperformed yeah. last year. Yeah. Canada, from the beginning of the show, was always a strong region when right. it came to the tournament. And I feel like, you know, of course, we, we can't forget about patience. Uh, but overall, I feel like the kind of the kind of lesser known Canadians, yeah. I feel like we didn't get as many into the semis as I would have expected. And I think this year uh, they make up for that in a big way. Yeah, it'll be it'll be all about Canada. It'll be all about continental Europe uh, and the UK. Look out. Yeah, I don't I, I don't smell a lot of space for you, bud. Yeah. UK, Watch America, out, you UK people, Australia. We're all in danger. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. I think it's and, and the Canada thing. I just feel it in my bones. Yeah. I don't know. Sure. Number seven, Andra will win a game again as Arborex, cementing his legacy for 100 years. <laughs> um, so so it, a second win as Arborex for Andra. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, uh, my grandchildren and my great grandchildren mm -hmm. will mm -hmm. speak of it. This one will um, be a tough one ever. to come back to because we will have to, you know, we, we got to set a date from the end of uh fr from andra's victory uh and then we you know we don't get to know if this one worked until 100 years later if people are still building statues in andra's honor you know yeah that's a cute point matt but i think i'll just take my win if andra <laughs> wins again as arborek i think that's really the core part of it um the cementing the legacy part matt that is just something you know will like happen cheating to me i don't know mm, I, don't i don't think that that's it um number eight one previous winner of the of the entire tournament will make it to the semifinals of the tournament this year. Mm -hmm. uh, cough, Deft Piper, cough. Number nine is in quotes. <laughs> Kraken's Pottery Barn. <laughs> I don't know what that means. I mean, Kraken obviously knows. It was what on it means. the scroll, like you unraveled the scroll, and it just said it. And you're you're just passing along the message. The the, the, the prophecy has foretold of Kraken's Pottery Barn. So my number nine prediction 
One more time for the people in the back. In quotes, <laughs> it just says Kraken's Pottery Barn. Is that right? <laughs> this is less a prediction and more a challenge to Kraken. Like, hey, make it this. <laughs> like, do, do something with this. What do you got? Let me, let me see what you can come up with. All right. And now we're here. My, my, my tenth and final prediction for Tournament 4 and the rest of our lives is Cages in the finals. Heck make it yeah, happen man let's make, make it let's, happen everyone make it happen i'm ready cages for in it. the finals cages in the finals they i want it to be a rallying cry cages <laughs> in the finals cages in the finals and everyone will be like well it, that's not fair you can't just like make someone be in the finals can't i can't i make someone being in the, <laughs> I write in the, the finals script. <laughs> yeah i write the scripts dog i'm the head writer in the writer's room for the tournament scripts why do you think i'm here what do you think i do what do you think i contribute to this Number 10, Cages in the Finals. Uh, that one's not a prediction. It's a promise. <laughs> I want to thank our weird bears, Big Al Cappuccino, Squeamish Emu, Brassbird, Brian, Kaluan, Goondock, Son of Leto, Istoria, Alice, Emlashevsky, Sunfax, Absol, Arwise, and Fancy Zeeling. And I want to thank Mama's Lovely Larva, Patience is a Virtue, My Son is also named Bort, Nuclear Pasta, Sturmy Sturm, Boo Poo, Doberhuawa, Frank G, Gazkio, Rekka, Jadim Jedi, Carnal, Rolo, Uncle Batty, Teddy's jam for you. Um, is it time? Oh, oh, we're gonna do a play of the week. Oh, also make sure to send uh, send us this uh, this Imperium Life Stories Space Cats Beast Turtles at gmail.com. Uh, we got a play of the week. Yeah. Jack. Oh, oh, also, hey, rate rate our podcast. Uh, I wanted to throw this out there, if only because Spotify just added ratings to their platform, mm -hmm. and Spotify is quickly becoming one of the biggest, if not the biggest. They're outdoing Apple Podcasts in terms of that kind of stuff which means the algorithms of Spotify kind of matter now. And because they made that a thing, uh, if your Spotify app is updated or whatever, please, hey, hop on there and give us a five-star five rating on Spotify as well On in, in addition to iTunes and Apple Podcasts and all that stuff. All right, so our play of the week this week is from Jack. Thank you, Jack. <clears throat> Mahawked Commander, am I right? So it's a four-player game, round five. I'm Mahawked, who has... A, it's a four-player game. We allowed this. We took a play of the week from a four-player game. Wow. <laughs> Sorry, I haven't done that bit in a while. Do you guys remember that? Do you guys know what I'm talking about? I love four-player games. I'm just joking. I'm Mahawked, who has somehow managed to get all three other players' fleet tokens and all of my own command tokens on my sheet. Sounds like a four-player game. Is what it sounds like to me. Because you got too much components of the things. Stage one objectives have been pretty peaceful. A few spendies, so plastic uh, could have been better. The stage two objective was rule distant lands, a reveal that caused a groan from the table as everyone's eyes scanned the board to find some opportunity to score it. Uh, if you don't know, rule distant lands is the one where you have to have, you have to own a planet that's right next to two different players' home systems. I spent my first turns doing general stalls as I had many command counters, most of my dreads, and my flagship. And I was mahawked, so anything could happen. Midway through the round, a couple players seem to have settled for pursuing stage one objectives, but then the Winu popped Imperial to score two points. The sole player saw the threat of Winu swinging with their still unused hero and began eating their slice. When the Winu had to move ships off their home system to defend their other planets, the sole player sent their flagship into the Winu home system and took the planet, leaving the both players expended for the round the fourth player, an Asarl across from me, had simply been building defenses and fortifying planets. I was still looking for my swing opportunity. I could only get to nine points in my head, 
a point total that would require me uh, to spread completely thin. And no other players could get to 10 this round. So it seemed we were going to round six. Ah, in a last ditch effort to plan a last point, I realized that Asarl had shard of the throne. It was time for a proper Mahawked round five. Once every player had passed, I used my first meaningful action to destroy the, the soul flagship over the Winu home system, scoring a secret objective and infuriating the Winu player even more as I didn't even bother with the ground. That's like a quote. Um, I then took my flagship and some dreads to Mechatol, where I took the space from the Winu. I had, uh, I had his commander uh, and scored. <laughs> that's so great. <laughs> and scored demonstrate your power. And yes, somehow uh, Mechatol was the easiest planet to do this on for my final play. I used my commander and Lightwave to bust my forces from Mech Mechatol and Winu's home system, leaving one ship to Asarl's home system, where I took Shard of the Throne and then scored the stage two in the status phase, putting me from five to ten points. Even after all the cr all of this craziness, I realized I never even used my hero. That makes so that last part. Yeah, totally get that. <laughs> Benediction is not. I mean, it's. I don't even know what it's. Or yeah. most of the time, if I'm having a good Mahawk late game, this is what Benediction gets used for. Oh, I would like to move to there. Yeah. I'm going to move. <laughs> I'll, I'll attack your destroyer, but with my entire fleet, just so I can yeah. get it there. Just yeah. to get me one extra movement, uh, kind of, <laughs> but in a lopsided way. So, yeah. That's I love a, that. that uh, it's, it's so funny. I, I mean, all the points about the four-player game stand, but also... I mean, if you assume, which we shouldn't, but if you assume like the big galaxy map, it does mean a lot for this Mahawk commander to have. Like that, that's a lot of distance for these ships to have to travel to do all of mm -hmm. these things. We're talking two home systems and Mechatol, like all getting attacked. I don't understand like how you made it, how you made these distances, how you closed those gaps, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it was a four player. So like the map, the, the <laughs> world feels kind of small. Wait, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love, <laughs> hey, four player people, I love you. I wish... That we lived in a world where me and Matt could talk about every major yeah. variant of Twilight Imperium instead of just defaulting to six player ten point all the yeah. time. You know, there was um, I wish. there was some errata for our faction tier list, which was someone saying, "Hey, I wish uh, my group plays a lot of fourteen player game or fourteen point games." Um, I would love to see a 14 point faction tier list to which stads had the great reply of it sounds like you're the one to do you play more 14 point games than anybody so I would right. love that 14 point community to come together and tell us tell us how it is present us with the 14 point faction tier list and I will read it off on this show and I will trust you implicitly yeah yeah <laughs> and I want Arborek to do better than on the 10 point for yep. sure and yep. uh what who else who else would do good in 14 point Maybe unfortunately Necro. Sar probably still do great oh, yeah Necro definitely Sar. I think Necro would become definitively the best in a 14 point uh yeah that probably makes list. sense I don't know how it's you just stop like them. they got all that time right. to be Argent ridiculous. might go down because I can't say Argent is particularly amazing at two pointers so maybe yeah. Argent goes down a peg these are all my guesses um, Ooh, Mentech yeah. might go up a, up yeah. a little bit in yeah. some games. You know, right. Mentech's pretty good at, at some stage twos, economic yeah. stage twos, obviously only. Um, well, Matt, how do we get out of this one? I think the we, end? we just What's say the ending? the ending is the the Mahawk that won along the way. You did it. You ended this show. We thank you so much, Jack. And uh, everybody, keep tabs. Keep hmm. us honest on these predictions. I want to know who actually wins. I've suddenly made it very competitive, and it matters to me that I beat Hunter. I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> Before we started, I, like, I was like, 
we were talking about this predictions thing and i was like matt i don't want to do this if you're going to be really competitive about it let's just be chill and have fun with it and then we no, read I all will. of your predictions I'll be chill i promise we read all your predictions and they're like oh wow he is actually trying to get as many points as possible and then like my prediction is like kraken's pottery barn and cages in the finals no. who do you think's gonna win somehow it's gonna be me and that's gonna infuriate you and that's what's gonna happen and then i'm gonna get yelled at because all my predictions were stupid and yet somehow i still won and you lost i don't understand i i, I just don't know i don't know what to do anymore i just I've don't set know. you up i just don't know well Make sure no cages in the finals. <laughs> <laughs>Thank you for listening to Space Cat's Peace Turtles. And thanks to Ben Prunty for the use of his music. You can find more at benpruntymusic.com and benprunty.bandcamp.com. Pax Magnifica, Bellum Gloriosum. <laughs>